0: everybody. This is Bevan. Uh, you're listening to Bevan FM over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. I'm here with my co-host, Biscuit Reynolds. I'm a cat. And um, you know what? This is episode 124. And I just want to say I could be better at the intro by now, but I think it's more real that I just do it and don't get fussy about it. So here we are visiting on my podcast, I want you to imagine we're on a virtual porch together, hanging out on some wicker furniture, you've got your coziest favorite childhood blanket, because we are going to talk about grief. Um, I swear my podcast isn't about grief, but it keeps coming up. And I think part of it is just because my podcast is about creating a life worth living for you, right? And part of quality of life is quality of grieving. And I have had a lot of on the ground (laughs) training in this life. And recently have gone through the gauntlet um, that I think is like kind of a rite of passage um, in many, I mean, honestly, in all literature uh, is the hero's journey where you lose one or both parents, right? So my father passed away one month ago today. Um, This is episode 124, and I intentionally earmarked this as a time to talk about grieving my dad because he was born on May 24th, a Gemini. And I was born on December 24th at Capricorn. And, um, so my dad had that, dad and I had that in common. Um, he was 30 years old when I was born. So it's always easy to remember how old he is or was, I guess. Now, um, we do that thing where I start catching up with his age. Right. Um, and so he was 73 when he passed. And I just want to say this. My dad was a deadbeat dad. Uh, he was a violent alcoholic and, um, the experience that I had in life from having a father that chose not to take responsibility for me and both like emotionally and financially and a dad who, uh, from whom and around whom I experienced a lot of violence, um, not two out of 10 would not recommend to a friend. Um, and I give him his entire two is just dad jokes. My dad had the best dad jokes. He had a great sense of humor. He was pretty funny. Um, but looks aren't everything and uh, he would have loved that joke. He also every time we heard this commercial Because um, you know back in the olden days when you watch TV you could only choose between specific channels and On that channel you would watch programming and then there would be a comer- a commercial break You could not fast forward through and frequently there were ones like anything about like are you hard of hearing? Uh, they would say that and then my dad would say from wherever he was in the house He didn't even have to be in the room and he would just scream what I love that joke that that still makes me crack up um so my dad like was kind of in and out of the picture mostly out um when i was growing up my parents split up when i was 18 months old um here's a pro tip and you're gonna learn a lot today if you are listening to this podcast and you are a person who has experienced a divorce in your life have i got some tricks of the trade from how i feel my parents could have improved to give you in this episode so first and foremost, just because you split up with your your child's other parent, doesn't mean that you aren't responsible for your child, right? And I'm I'm gonna just like guess that if you're listening to this podcast, you agree. But um, it, I think my dad really let shame get in between him and even trying, right? And I think if my dad had tried, he could have been and ended up maybe being a a bad dad, like really awful, right? But he didn't try at all, and so thus it was just kind of like a lot of abandonment issues. Um, People say it as like daddy issues, but I prefer the term father wound because it's really like none of us is responsible for the trauma that happened to us, right? Like what happened to you is what happened to you. And like I think I'm going to hazard a guess that 99% of people walking around have experienced some level of trauma, a lot of us, because of our caregivers and family of origin. And it's not okay that that's how it is. I think it's a result of violent systems. Um, it's all really coming down to white supremacy and the capitalist heteropatriarchy. But um, all that to say, my dad was a white guy who was raised in a time where mediocrity was their promise to like everything. Like if you were just mediocre, you still got to have everything because they were taught that they could be entitled. Um And my dad, like to know him was to know his potential and to be sad that he didn't even try right my dad just didn't even try he um it's interesting because like the last year and change of his life i didn't talk to him and part of how i interacted with my dad as an adult was just like kind of deciding like okay do i want to do i feel like connecting to my dad or not and just always really honoring my feelings uh i did al-anon recovery starting when i was about 31 years old and really changed my life. I did not think that my dad's alcoholism affected me because he wasn't in my home. But it turns out that it really did affect me and that um, all of it affected me, right? The environment I grew up in, um, even removed from immediate alcoholism, is still affected by the disease of alcoholism. And um, I also experienced a lot of caregiver violence in um, my grandparents' home, my dad's parents, from my dad's mom. And I kind of knew when my dad died, I knew some of that stuff would come up, but it did not expect it to come up the way it did and how much it did. Um, so like, like I have this like interesting relationship with my dad where I'm not really like in full touch with him, but like here and there, like keeping up with him, he made sure to tell me in like every correspondence that we would have. Cause like every few months I might get an email from him updating me, sending me some pictures. Uh, and he would like, it was very formulaic and I had a really hard time interacting with him. Um, like kind of as an adult, like in my twenties, like I set a boundary with him, um, that I didn't want to talk to him about the child support debt that he owed my mom. He owed her, he like didn't pay for so many years and like the interest compounds on that. So like he just owed that money and it's, it's like in debt that attaches to you in a way that like a credit card could never, you know, like it's really like hard to do anything with child support debt. And, and for good reason, you should take responsibility for your kids. Right. But my dad just like was chronically underemployed, like, and did his best to work under the table. So he never had to pay it. And so ultimately like he just was, he had so much interest owed on it that like the last conversation I had with my dad, he complained to me about that child support debt, even though, when i was 24 years old i told him never talk to me about that debt again if it it's not my business it's between you and my mom and i don't care
1: like i didn't say i don't
0: care but i don't care to hear about it is really what i was saying and um he just like didn't get it he just never i would set boundaries and then he would just violate them and he just didn't care it like he it never occurred to him to change um he really lacked humility in a lot of ways and like and it's not like he was like awful all the time, but he was awful enough that it disincentivized me from wanting to have a relationship with him. And frankly, I think a lot of people in his life. Um, and that's such a shame because my dad was actually a pretty nice guy, you know, when he chose to be, when he chose to be kind and not selfish and self-interested. Um, but he, the last conversation we had, he had gotten his stimulus check, uh, early pandemic. Um, and, and also my dad never got COVID, which I was still really shocked about because his lungs were in such bad shape because he smoked most of his life. Um, and he was like in and out of the hospital constantly with pneumonia and COPD. Um, and then, uh, he ultimately went out with pneumonia during a big surge, uh, one month ago. Uh, and I'm just like, it occurred to me when I found out he passed away, I was like, I hope he was nice to his nurses. You know what I mean? Cause I just never knew how he was going to treat people because I never knew how he was going to treat me. And in our last conversation, he uh, talked about how a stimulus, like, got forsaken because of the child support debt. And it was just, like, in a grudge against my mom. And I was like, ugh, I never want to hear about grudges about my parents' divorce ever again. Like, I just – and I still – I say that because my mom brought up a grudge that she had about my dad in the wake of him passing away. Like, I reached out to her um, for some emotional help the day after – um, I found out and I just wanted her to like run interference with my dad's family. Cause I just realized after having one conversation with a member of my dad's family that I was like, Oh, I have like, um, many years of Al-Anon recovery and you are still in the culture of alcoholism, um, and like denying things that happened. And I don't want to interact with you. <laughs> I was just like honest with myself because in acute grief. Like, those first few days, weeks after, like, a death happens, like, even a death as predictable as my own father's death, right? Like, many of my friends have passed away, and I had obviously no warning, right? And, like, my dad just kept living. And it was, like, it always, like, kind of made me mad. Like, when my friend Rhea passed away when she was 46 years old, I was, like, in my late 30s, and I just was, like, God, Rhea passed away, and yet my dad is still alive. Like, and I don't feel guilty for thinking that because – Rhea had a giant impact, you know, like my dad didn't even have a funeral, you know, like he didn't, like, I just, it's in the time of COVID. So I'm sure that affects things, but like, I don't know. I just want to have a life where I really impacted people and I made a difference. And that doesn't seem to be the reason why people live a long time. Um, but like, you know, my dad was brilliant. Like he was really smart. He was a great writer. Um, but he didn't really do much with anything. He didn't pursue anything. And I, it's cause he was afraid and he wasn't willing to change. And one of the most important things, um, that I've learned from successful people is that successful people are willing to change and adapt. And I'll tell you as someone who's an entrepreneur, uh, I feel like everything I do is constantly changing. The ball is constantly moving. Uh, like little things like Instagram is constantly changing just for w- one platform example, right? Like, and I'm on all these platforms doing all these things constantly needing to adapt right and if you're not humble enough to recognize you don't know everything you do need help and you are going to need to change like most people really short change themselves because they don't believe that they can change as much as they can change but you really can but you also can't change anyone else and part of like me learning to like live with the grief of this father-daughter relationship that I never got to have and that's a grief I've been grieving for years right I've been working on my father wound for years um, I used to perform At this annual event on Father's Day called Fuck You, Dad, that um, my friend Damien produced. And it was really good. Great performance art. Really good, brilliant performance artists Talking about this father wound. You know? And talking about, like, the ways in which uh, we were really let down by people who we deserved better from. Right? Like, I deserved a better father-daughter relationship. So, in those first few days of, like, grieving when, like, even though my dad would remind me in, like, every email, I'm going to die someday. It was, like, so formulaic. Sometimes I, my, my friend, Brian, I would have him read aloud my dad's letters and emails to me because like, I couldn't deal with them, you know, like, cause it was just like, I don't know. It was hard for me to deal with, you know, like it's hard. Um, it's also hard, like where you've got a lot of wounding with someone, right. To even get through the wounding, to hear the words. Um, and I've worked a lot on myself and a lot on how I receive that kind of stuff and definitely take things with much greater humor now. Um, it's a lot easier for me. But at the time, I needed my BFF Brian to, like, do a dramatic reading of my dad's letters. And it was really funny because Brian was the one that pointed out that they were formulaic. Like, he would say a thing, and then he would say another thing. And then in the end, and I don't even remember the formula, but, like, at the end, he would remind me that he was going to die someday. Everyone. And I'm, like, and he was predicting his own death for, like, a solid 20 years. Um, And eventually, January 10th, 2022, he was right um and what's really fascinating and this is where i know god's hand is in everything i did not talk to my dad over the holidays like i just i'm always in this like scanning myself do i feel like checking in with my dad and like i just didn't and i was really the holidays were chaotic it was COVID times like i had a little breakdown around my birthday it's all fine right but um i was just like whatever like if dad reaches out i'll talk to him and like until then i'll like call him when i feel like it so then i get a message from him Um, and also my uncle Ike had passed away and I did not feel like processing with my dad about my uncle Ike's passing. Um, he really loved my uncle Ike and, um, I figured he would have heard it from Facebook, but it turns out my dad got somehow like lost his phone number, um, lost his like email access to like whatever email he had. So therefore he lost his Facebook access. And so like, he basically had to start fresh with communication and didn't have anyone's numbers. Right. Like it was very complicated for my dad. But like what I find interesting is that he didn't even try, like he didn't try to get back on Facebook and reconnect with people like he just kind of disappeared. And in many ways, like he didn't find out my uncle died and, um, and I don't know, like, it's so interesting. Cause like, I just didn't want to be responsible for that news to my dad and like, um, having to hold space for it, honestly, like I just didn't feel up for it. And so I didn't do it. And also, in that last conversation with my dad that I had, he said this like homophobic comment, like where he's just said the shittiest thing simultaneously about my mom and my cousin. And I was like, wow, this is and me. It's like homophobic. Like I'm queer too. Like it was so awful. And I was like, and my dad, like, at least he was a Democrat, you know, but like I don't think there's a real difference between um Democrat and Republican anymore. But like at least he was a Democrat, right? Like, at least my dad wasn't a Trumper. But like imagine all the the toxic masculine traits of a Trumper. Um, right. And like, I don't know. He had so much potential, but yet was so abrasive. Um, anyway. I, so like I, and it's funny because I didn't remember the content of the conversation and why I didn't feel like talking to my dad. I just, I just would like vibe a no and like move on. Cause I don't dwell in my grudges. I don't like to rehash things. I actually think this is a good trait of mine. Um, I think when you dwell in grudges, you're just shackled to the past and, You need real freedom in order to move forward in life because it's a lot of mind energy work to like rehash things and to be mad at somebody. And like my mom rehashing a grudge right after my dad passes away was like so intense for me. I was like, I cannot believe that like my dad is dead and I'm still hearing about their divorce 40 years later. Um, I'm going to say this, like your kid, this is my advice to you if you're a divorced parent, your kid is not your venting space for your divorce. It absolutely has to be someone else. It cannot be your kid. Uh, it's really not okay. I'm gonna just say that as someone just would not recommend to a friend, um, don't do that. But, uh, and you know, and it's fun and interesting to have to set new boundaries with family origin. Uh, but I am grateful that I was able to do that. I have the clarity to do that. Um, and even though it's like the most predictable death, right? Cause I knew it was coming. Uh, I also like, I didn't know it was coming like now, right? I just knew someday my dad would die. But then the day it happened and what was so interesting was my um power had gone out that afternoon i had to cancel an aerobics class or postpone an aerobics class which is like something that breaks my heart i love to teach my aerobics class it's like my purpose in the world is teaching fat Kid dance party and i uh, so i was like bummed about that trying to work but couldn't work and like just trying to figure out what to do and i was in bed um I don't remember what exact. i was like working on something i was like doing something offline suddenly all the power finally comes back on i'm so grateful and like the internet's finally working again and then that's when i get a knock on the door and that was my mom who came to tell me that she found out my father passed away and that was like hit me like a mac truck i didn't want it to but it did and um and also this is the kind of thing like you can't pre-grieve like i th- i used to believe i could control things so much that i could decide to feel sad ahead of time, like worrying, right. It's coming up with worst case scenarios before something really happens. Um, and it gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And I like knew that I was just going to have to go through this, you know, like, and it happens and yeah, the acute grief, the like, Oh my God, life is totally different now. Right. Like a traumatic event is where things are different, like forever, right. After something happens. And, um, it was, I knew enough about grieving and like how things feel. in the first time that I just knew to just let it all come through. So I cried a lot. Um, I reached out for help. That was, that's been the best thing I've done. Like my family of origin, um, has not been great. And it really has like reminded me of all this like stuff I learned about alcoholic family dynamics going through all this, but, um, my family of choice, has been extraordinary i have an incredible network of friends um people even like just kind people who follow me on the internet and enjoy my content have sent me like something sweet you know i asked uh immediately for help like from people i just said you know in lieu of flowers please send cookies lots of people have sent me cookies i am so grateful for the cookies because i'll tell you this grief makes me ravenous like it is like your brain uses like 70 percent of your calories i don't know if you know this. And when you're learning a lot, you're using a lot of calories in your brain. The 1,200 calorie a day diet is an eating disorder. Like you need more calories than that if you have an active brain, right? If you're doing a lot of brain stuff. And um, I like, like grieving is like kind of like having tabs open on your browser and your brain for a while, um, especially like in, the, in that early grief stuff. And so it's really interesting how we have all these cultural customs around food and grieving people because it is actually quite the greatest thing you can do for somebody is just help them get some of their human needs met while they're going through something where they can like it's just it's grief brain. it's like a brain fog. like you don't know like just basic stuff that I'm used to doing like I just couldn't do or didn't remember to do and like just being gentle with myself, having grace with myself um, while going through that has been like such it's been such a kind thing I've done for myself is just to have grace like oh haha, ha, just laugh at myself, right? Um, and asking for help, even like a good friend of mine, um, sent me this, uh, Prince sweatshirt, um, for my birthday and asked like, Hey, is there anything I can do to help? And like, you know, you're a long distance friend. There's really not a lot to do, but I did specifically say, would you send me sweatpants to go with that sweatshirt that are size XL? Cause I actually don't have, I didn't have sweatpants that fit. And like, I keep losing weight, um, not intentionally, And during this grief process, I'll say this too, ravenous, trying to eat a lot, still trying to eat a lot of cookies, still lost 10 pounds. Like, I just like, I think it's like me catching up on a lot of inflammation stuff and really like working on long-term health in my body. Um, But also grief burns a lot of calories and it's really hard. Um, I mean, you got to feed yourself, right? Three times a day, you end up having to give yourself a meal Um, and like... I don't know, like, I work sometimes in a way where, like, I'm just, like, in my thing and forgetting to, like, go and eat, so, like, really nourishing myself three times a day requires a lot of self-care and moving myself from one thing to another, and, you know, it's, it just shocked me when I saw how much weight I've lost in a month, Um, but, you know, the body knows, and the body will write itself, and, like, it'll find its rhythm, and I try to just not have any judgment one way or the other about weight changes, because, like, you know, your body's always changing. It's literally like it's every seven years you get brand new cells, right? Your body's just constantly shedding and creating. But anyway, back to grieving. So asking for specific help and like specific cozy help. Um, I'm an acts of service, love language person and words of affirmation. So even just like someone sending me kind words is nice um, and helpful and, and feels nice. But also like when someone gets you something from an Amazon wish list, that is an act of service. I think. Um, And it felt very acts of service. And I felt very loved by my family of choice uh, through all of the like cozy, someone got me really cozy sweatpants, another pair, like a fleecy, like extra warm pair. Um, And so just like having things to keep me cozy, and having things to like, give me comfort in this time. um, A friend sent me a, a torch, right? Like just another lighter to have to like help me. Uh, do what I want to do and need to do in my life. Um, Just all these little things, just so nice, so sweet, and so appreciated. Um, And noodles, I put some food on there, because like, I was like, again, trying to nourish myself. And um, some friends sent me noodles, right? Like just little things that just make it a little bit easier. So I just want to encourage you out there. um, In my holiday grief episode my holiday morning episode I gave an epi- I gave a recipe for um, tater tot casserole because it's really good for grieving because it fills you up and it gives you a lot of calories um, I also want to shout out uh, my daily habits um, I have this app called the Dailyo app I'm sure I've mentioned it it's where I have like all of the daily habits that I do and um, I think that success is built into your daily routine Um, And it's all the things you do every day. And there's a lot of stuff that just helps me remember the things I need every day, right? So like, vitamins are on there, moving my body for 20 minutes, taking my forest walk, meditation, affirmations, my afternoon meditation, right? Um, uh, An Esther Hicks podcast, like all the little things I do that add up to me sort of moving forward every day. I am so grateful I have that app because like, I started it because I wouldn't remember everything every day and I just wanted a place to like track it and make it make me not have to think so much. But then on days where like your brain is kind of scrambled eggs because you're going through it. I'm not going to expect myself to do as much as I would do on a typical full functioning day, but I certainly can get some basic stuff done. So that way when I'm spinning out, I'm like, oh, okay, let me listen to uh, something from Michael Bernard Beckwith. And like, oh, okay, let me dance to one song. Let me just see how I can feel like moving my body. So that has been really helpful. I would highly suggest you just start like, you know, a a tracking somewhere so that you can go to it in a time when you need it. I also have um, a list of things in a journal that is like things I can do to change my mood or my state if I need to. And that really helps too. Uh, So just like having that around So you can check it when you're, you know, needing it. Um, And also something that has been helpful is walking through pain as it happens. Um, Emotions are energy in motion. They just want some place to go. I learned from Martha Beck in the book, Finding Your Way in a Wild New World, uh, that emotions, like strong emotions only take 90 seconds to clear. And the next time I had a big, strong emotion, I was like, oh, my God, Martha Beck was right. You just breathe through it. And most people, when they start to feel their pain, they distract themselves. That's what we're taught to do. We're taught to numb and distract because it helps um, ease the comfort of people around you, right? If you grew up with caregivers who were like, your feelings are messy, you have to hide them. That's how you learn to deal with your pain. You distract yourself. That's like why, like the guilt and shame of the alcoholic, you'll never really know because it's so intense. This is why people drink, right? Because they drink because they don't want to feel the pain. I, on the other hand, am in recovery. And so therefore, I am here for the pain, right? Like, because I know on the other side of the pain is a better version of me, stronger, um, even though, like, gosh, you know, just because you're strong doesn't mean it's not heavy, right? Like, so you're still going to go through it. But I would rather go through it than pay for it with interest. And um, so just like recognizing and remembering in all these moments, and I had a lot of moments, like especially in the early times, like going to bed, I would just remember childhood trauma stuff, like things I hadn't thought about in years, like my dad's brown leather belt. Like I just hadn't thought about that stuff. And I, what's great too, is that I also have an amazing support team that I have ongoing. So I have an amazing therapist, coach and mentor. Um, and I also have been working with my friend, Noemi. Um, she's been doing tapping sessions, like one-on-one Tapping, And tapping is a modality where you use acupressure points to kind of rearrange your feelings and give your feelings a space to release. And it can go in and when you get a one-on-one tapping session, you can really go in there. And she calls it tearless therapy. Um, And it's been profound. I've just loved working with her and it really helped me kind of understand like, oh, whenever I think of that room in my grandparents' house, I think of me looking at the doorway to the hallway because that's where the scary adults would come from. (laughs) It's so true. Uh, You have to laugh because, you know, otherwise I'd just pry my eyes out. And what's interesting is I had this profound realization about nine months ago over the Scorpio full moon. I had a dream uh, where my future spouse was in that house. um, But they were in the, like, area where they played cards. So one of the last things my stepmom said to me before she passed away when I was 19 years old, um, and she was 48. I cannot believe how young she was when she passed away. Um, Liz, marrying Liz was my dad's second best thing he ever did. First best thing was having me. Um, and Liz told me the last conversation we ever had, she said, you know, it's not normal that your grandparents drink, uh, so many martinis every night. She said they're alcoholics. And I was like, what? And then I was like 19 at the time. And then when I turned 21 and I had my first martini, I immediately thought of Liz and I was like, oh my God, Liz was right there are alcoholics and um and so it's just interesting in that dream I had this instant realization when I woke up I was like oh my god everything was like always like they only ever did violence in the bedrooms like where it was the shameful thing they hid away it was all just smiles and like you know pretending everything's okay in the in the main room I just had this major realization Right. So I love therapy. I love having a place where I can talk about this stuff where like it isn't like, you know, because when you're when you have big feelings and you're going through it. Right. Like It's not like I call my therapist in the middle of the night when I'm having these big feelings, but I have a person to talk through it. So there's a purpose to the pain because I'm going to process it and I'm going to reveal what lesson is there because all these things are just lessons. Um, And you can even pray for the lessons to be easier, the lessons to be clear. What is the lesson for me to learn? Right. Um, And that's where like, I mean, prayer works, like it's metaphysical, but also science based like prayer works. So when you set the intention that you want to learn from it and you want to investigate it, I think it really brings it about, even if the lesson doesn't come immediately, like the clarity can come. Um, And so I would just like, go through these painful things. I had like one super bad night, like where it was just like RIP my sleep. Like I did not sleep at all. I just like kept, I had a lot of physical pain too, because I have a chronic digestive disorder that flares a lot when I'm going through big feelings and stress. Those are my two biggest things that that flare it. And uh, God, that night was really hard. And you know what? It was just one really hard night. And then a few blips Um, and a few hard moments, like, you know, there was even one day where like I had a really great day and then I had a really hard three minutes and like, I just let it be. This is my great day. So just because it hurts now doesn't mean it's going to hurt forever. Um, that's kind of been something that's helped me a lot. Um, and also, um, I started a new aggressive habit (laughs) in this time. So a couple weeks after my dad died, and I was really kind of, like, getting through it, but, like, not, still not quite feeling great, um, I decided I wanted to change something. And I've been kind of obsessed with the dates, like, the physical dates. Like, I love numbers. I love repeating numbers. I love palindrome dates, like, where it's the same, like, 2 2 right? That one is a great date, right? Palindrome date. So thinking about stuff like that, and, like, we were coming on one which I just thought sounded like a great date for things to change. And my dad's birthday against so the 24th so was mine. And I wanted to stop counting days from when my dad died. And I wanted to start counting days for something new I was going to do for myself. And it was a behavior change I already knew I wanted to make. I think I felt like, for me, like, if something's not a true calling on my life, if I'm not feeling a nudge from God, I'm probably not going to do it. Like these days, I'm just so prioritized. I would I'd love to sleep, I'd rather be sleeping, you know what I mean? And so I just have to figure out like, what's my top priority? Let's get those handled um, before I run out of steam for this day. And I, um, so it's this new habit, not going to go into the habit, I'm sure I'll do an episode on it, but I've been like needing to rearrange my schedule in order to make time for it. It's about an hour at least every day. Um, but it's really forcing me to kind of get out of myself, get my eyes off myself, I get my eyes on other people. Uh, and be more of service in the world and moving around in my community. Um, And it has really been great for me to like, just have something else to focus on. I already knew it was something I needed to do for me. Um, And, but it's like really helped me just like, you know, in a time that was going to be hard anyway, in a time where I was already counting days, right? Now I've like logged days of like progress towards a worthy goal. And my worthy goal with this is just, who am I going to be on the other side of this new habit? Um, Because I'll tell you, all the habits I have every day are, like, how I kind of got my mental health back after 2019 was really hard on me. So, like, it's, like, these daily habits, like, my daily routine is really, like, what keeps me anchored, keeps me moving forward. And I can see the compounding now. um, One of my daily habits is actually to interact with Prince Rogers Nelson. Um, Prince, obviously, you know who he is. Um, has one name, right? Just like I am Bevan and I'm anonymous, which means I don't use a middle or a last name. And that's intentional because my middle name is my abusive grandma's name um, and my dad's mom. And uh, my last name is my dad's last name. And frankly, I don't care for it. I release it. I don't want it, right? Like I've been trying to give away this last name since the first time I was engaged. When I was 27. Uh, was I 28? I don't know how old I was, late 20s early saturn return is how old i was and um anyway been trying to get rid of this last name have now just decided i don't need a last name i'm gonna have one name like prince who i feel is my real dad and it's a joke i make but it's kind of true like i decided to take him on as a, as a teacher an intentional teacher about four or five years ago right 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 around when he passed um and i was just like let me just study this man like he's a great artist truly the greatest concert i've ever been to was 2010 madison square garden prince Um, I got floor seats. Um, I was gifted them by a vendor that I worked with, um, as a lawyer. Um, and he, he just surprised me. He kept trying to give me tickets to baseball games and things like that. And I was like, I don't like sports. I just would say, no, I don't want them. And so then he's like, well, tell me what kind of tickets you do want. And I saw an ad, um, at a parking lot for the Prince at Madison square garden show. And I was like, I would love to see Prince, uh, if you can get tickets to that. And he surprised me with floor seats at Madison Square Garden greatest concert of my life. It was such an incredible show. And from then on, I was like, I I already loved Prince, But like from then on, I was like, Oh, I really want to know what makes this man great. And so it's a daily habit for me to like watch a new to me Prince video, right? Something I haven't watched yet or like study a song and study its lyrics or watch a Prince video, like an an interview. Um, I've learned a lot from him. He has a lot to teach us. I think he left a really incredible and very intentional body of work. Um, I think Prince kind of has the keys to unlocking our sovereignty. Um, and it's really interesting because Prince himself had a very difficult relationship with his father. Um, and so it's interesting, like I'm trying, I'm, I'm like aiming at Prince as a father figure, but really like as an artistic um, inspiration and mentor, like just the way he treated his art and his, um, the way he lived his life in service to his gift and his craft. And I really admire that. And also just as a dancer, I love to watch his moves. Like I've learned a lot um, of dance moves from him. So I find it worthwhile to spend a few minutes every day, like kind of connecting with Prince. And it's very interesting because I can say with all honesty, I've spent more time with Prince than with my own father. But, you know, it wasn't my choice. I tried real hard when I was a kid. Um, And anyway, I just it's interesting. It's like a really interesting grief because like most of the time when I'm grieving a friend, it's someone I really loved. You know, it's someone I'm really sad is gone. And like my dad was gone from me for most of my life, you know, because he was too afraid to try. Um, one of the last times I saw him in person, um, he lived in Merced, California, very definitive. Like he's a hometown boy. Like he used to be a, he and my stepmom actually used to both like do stuff with the local Merced museum. Um, she was also a hometown gal. Like they were only married for like nine years, but they were engaged like nine days after they remet, they knew each other in high school and they remet as adults. Um, she called me her daughter, the first phone call we ever had. Liz was like unconditional love personified. I did not know how to receive it. I was an ungrateful adolescent and like really like traumatized, but she loved me so much. And she was such an amazing uh, influence in my life. And I wish I had gotten to spend more time with her. She really facilitated a relationship with my dad for many years, like the whole time they were um, together, you know, and, It was really hard on my dad when she passed, like my dad had a lot of mental health stuff too. Um, I'll say that like, as I'm kind of grappling with my own mental health stuff um, and the ways in which I'm similar to my dad, which I actually, we have the very, a very similar personality type, like um, really chill personality with like a side of like enjoying people and chatting with people, right? Sanguine, phlegmatic. Um, And but like i i don't know i'm more into like brain hacking myself and i'm more into developing myself than my dad was so like i've really kind of figured out how to like find my motivation where my dad like never bothered um and he like i don't know like it's it's complicated right like I, and so but like when you're when i'm grieving someone that i have a lot in common with who i also didn't like a lot it's a challenge for me to like kind of come up against shadow self stuff right and i think our capacity to love others is as limited by our capacity to love the hardest parts about ourselves, right? Like the things that we find hardest to love are the most crucial to love. And all you have to do is love them, right? Like, and release the need to be perfect in order to receive love. That came up in one of my t- tapping sessions. Like just, I release the need to be perfect in order to receive love. And I think that is like crux to why my dad, didn't try, you know, because he felt like he didn't. Okay, so one of the last times I saw him, he apologized that he didn't stay with my mom. He felt like he had really let me down. I was like, 33, 32 years old. um, And he was apologizing for this divorce that had happened 30 years before that. Uh, And (laughs) I I laughed at him. I was like, you and mom were not destined to be together. They are very opposite personalities in a way that was not compatible. Um, But they made me and I'm grateful for it. Cause here I am. Right. Um, and also like, you know, maybe it was all supposed to go down like this so that I would have a father wound to heal from so that I could teach from it. Cause every time I'm going through these big painful bouts and like, you know what? They're probably not over. I haven't had one in a couple weeks. I've been, but I have been like really on my self care. Like I have been sh- taking a cold shower every morning when you put cold water on your vagus nerve, right? Like at the base of your neck, um, it acts as a way of like basically helping you not get triggered, but it's like a dopamine releaser. it's cold exposure therapy. It's really good for you. I take cold showers because of this. Um, and you know, in the wintertime, I don't necessarily shower every day because like your skin, you know, skin's got to stay hydrated and you don't want to like constantly be washing it, but getting in and out of the shower and having that cold exposure therapy is so beneficial to me, especially when my feelings are wackadoo. I'm going to do everything I can to just like have the calm steadiness that I want in the world. Right. This is like where my behavior and my discipline, like kind of create the emotional landscape for me to have the feelings I'm going to have as a human without needing to have all the extra ones. Cause I'm like not taking care of myself. You know what I mean? Cause like if I get too tired or too hungry or too angry or lonely, wait, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Anyway, if I get any of those things, I know I got to like tend to my body. Right. And like my feelings aren't going to be in their greatest form. So, um, okay. So something that has been uh, also helpful is like the metaphysical connection to my dad. Um, I actually have found it with my dad's parents. My metaphysical connection with them has really helped a lot in the forgiveness process um, and just releasing that, right? Like once people are out of this plane, they're just love. That's what I believe. Um, And I know so deeply how much my dad loved me. He really loved me. I never doubted how much he loved me, actually. I couldn't feel his love because I didn't know how to and he wasn't very good at expressing it. But I knew he loved me. But, like, there's these, like, little metaphysical moments that I've been having since he passed. Like, I usually, if someone significant passes, I find out soon what this symbol is going to be from them, like the little calling card. So my grandmother, like, um, right after she passed, I came back to her house for the first time. Um, for the funeral and a white owl flew right over my head. So now every time I see white owls specifically, but owls in general, I think of my grandmother and like, that's a symbol, like it's really strong between us. And, um, for my dad, uh, he lived in Merced and Merced is in the central Valley in California. And there's this thing called the Thule fog. And it's this intense pea soup thick fog. It's really hard to drive in and it's really present in the winter um, and my dad is just so merced, right? Like and so and my dad like was a pot smoker. <laughs> it's so funny, I grew up believing that pot was bad because my dad smoked pot and he was also an alcoholic, right? That was all like the story that was told. And um I didn't realize actually, like, if only dad could have just like Skip the alcohol and just focused on his endocannabinoid system and utilizing cannabis to like help him get through the shameful moments and help him to ease awkwardness and use it as a connection tool i never got to smoke a joint with my dad how sad is that right like but you know like my dad just we just didn't foster a relationship um the last time i saw him uh was right after dara broke up with me i drove up to san francisco for a an aerobics class I was teaching and I stopped to see my dad um, we just went out to lunch it was nice um, my dad was like sort of supportive about Dara um, just like I don't know sort of supportive is exactly a great way to describe my dad <laughs> and anyway whatever I mean, it was nice to see him and I got to hug him and say I loved him and that's true it's all true I did love him a lot um, I it just it was really hard to And um, it's hard to love people who are not consistently great to you, you know, and like, there's like grace and forgiveness, but there's also standards and boundaries. And like, I deserve to be treated well, um, and nourished and protected by my dad. Um, and I can also heal that. And I've also really, in the last few years, been intentionally connecting with and in community with really strong, um, excellent men. Like, not mediocre men, excellent men who, like, really care about who they are in the world, care about growing, care about connection, and care about, like, really extending that father energy to the people in their lives. Um, And I really appreciate that, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, And in the aftermath of my dad's passing, I've been listening to a lot of, like, success audios about fatherhood and, like, what it means to be a good father And like really just recognizing that and cultivating that in my life where I can connect to that energy, right? Like, you know, my father wasn't a great artist who had a lot to teach me about great art, but I can glean that from intentional Prince Roger's Nelson time, right? Like, and, you know, get nourishing relationships with like cool guys in my life. Anyway, so like, you know, doing all these things I know to heal myself and continuing to move forward with that. But also, like, making these metaphysical connections to my dad and allowing him to love me from this non-physical plane um, in all the ways he's going to. And it's fun because it's winter. So we're actually getting a lot of fog up here. Um, and the Saturday after my dad died, I had a party planned with my friends. It was a Zoom party. And... Um, It was like, basically, uh, and you can get in on this, actually, if you join my Patreon page, which I promised myself I was always going to talk about Patreon in every episode of my podcast, so I'll just mention it now. Patreon.com slash FKBP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. And really, my Patreon page is a member support site that has tons of self-care resources, not just aerobics. It's also got... A really great Reiki healing um, for the father wound um, that I put up a couple years ago. And it's actually on, um, if you look on my Instagram, Bevan's Party, on the link uh, bar, it's in there. And it's free. It's on my Patreon page. But I have lots of things like that, like metaphysical um, meditations and Reiki healings and things like that. So there's so much in there. And something I did just for my Patreon babes and then uh, my glowing goddess getaway sisters and uh, basically any artist that was presenting at the event um, got to invite their crowd. So it was called An Afternoon with the Glimmering Swimmers. And it was intentionally a psychedelic afternoon for use with um, anything you want to have an entheogenic experience. Entheogens are things that help to connect you to God. So we had some folks who were sober sisters who were on there. We had some folks who were just using cannabis, some folks who were using psilocybin, uh, some folks who were using, you know, two of the three, you know. Um, And it was really fun. We did a laughter yoga class. I did a little of some canna-size movement. Uh, We had a vision board workshop with my friend Mindy, who's been on the podcast before. Um, We uh, had a little sound healing moment. Uh, We hung out and talked about pets and pizza and did a pet show and share. Um, We... Danced and we just had a really good time. It was really fun. Um, we had a, a, an amazing talk from Deidre from Miss Bliss and just had a great afternoon. And I had this plan to have this, like, you know, before my dad passed. And I was like, well, on with the show, right? Like, you can cancel stuff. When people pass away, it is really okay to take time for your grief. But for me, sometimes, like, having getting to teach my class is the greatest thing for me. You know, I'd love to teach my class, I'd love to share my art. It's like where I feel most in my purpose and I want to be doing the work I'm meant to be here to do, you know, and, and having like gone into my dad passing away and like being excited to get back to work. And then my dad and like finding out my dad passed and like being like, I just want to go back to work, <laughs> but I couldn't, like, I just couldn't. Um, but by Saturday I totally could. And it was a really fun like event to get to do but what was really kind of amazing and eerie about it is that that whole day we had this tsunami warning, um, on the West coast. Like, so I actually got a tsunami warning on my phone and I live like visibly near, um, a body of water that could tsunami us. And we prepare actively for tsunamis here. So like, that was like kind of weird and treacherous. And then it was so foggy that day. It was just like intense fog, like almost truly fog, not quite, but almost truly fog outside. And it was like, I was in my house, in this like weird, dense fog, like on this zoom with my friends and also having a psychedelic experience. And I was like, Oh my God, my dad is fog now. Like my dad is fog. And it totally makes sense. Like my dad, a Gemini, a stoner fog. Totally. Um, and I'm always going to remember my dad and his little red beetle. He had a VW beetle when I was growing up. Um, and just putt putting around, uh, fog. My dad is fog. Um, Which, you know, I'm studying what I deserve. I'm looking to get the love that I deserve from all the places that are appropriate and emotionally healthy for me.
1: Um, And I
0: do believe that metaphysically my dad can love me. Um, What's really sad is I never knew what my dad's favorite Grateful Dead song was because he did love the dead. I know I listened to it as a little kid because of him. Um, But I never, like, I hadn't gotten into it yet and never talked to him about it. Um, and so after he passed, I put on my Grateful Dead playlist and I just asked the universe to just send me his favorite song. So it played Scarlet Begonias. So, and I actually, that really dives for my dad. Um, so I do think, and my dad also loved bluegrass and um, Jerry Garcia played bluegrass banjo. And so I feel like there's that bluegrass tie in also. I also love bluegrass. Um, and yeah, just like really, when people pass away, you don't lose the opportunity to have a relationship with them. You get to keep having a relationship with them as you think through them, as you have your memories and and think and experience your memories as the older, wiser version of yourself. Um, you get to meet them more through other people. I know that someday I'll like choose to go through my dad's writing. If I want to, um, I have all, I have all his letters, like, you know, and all his emails, like I can go through that stuff. Um, I actually have my dad's last voicemail to me. He left me a voicemail um about a week before he passed away which I didn't get because I have all the things on my phone so uh phone numbers I don't know or my phone doesn't know don't tell me what's going on so just by chance I had seen oh my god like what's this message oh it says my dad but this isn't his phone number right like I was like what's this so I played it and it was my dad calling and I was like oh maybe he's using a friend's phone so I called it back I called the number back and I, I I just left a message I was like dad I love you blah 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 I could hear from you like we said, we said we loved each other, right? Like it's as complicated as the relationship was, there was love there. And I have been, ever since my friends started dying, I just say, I love you all the time to everybody because I mean it. And I think either you go through loss and you get bitter and push people off or you learn how to have a thick skin and a soft heart and you just double down on love and you just love more and more. And that's what I've chosen to do. So I called my dad. I left him this message about how much I loved him. And I did not know at that time he was in the hospital and he was gonna die the next day. And what's so interesting is I'm such a like vigilant, like deleter of voicemails that I thought that I had deleted that voicemail from my dad. And in fact, I didn't. I saved it. So I still have it. It's like eighteen seconds. He just says I love it. He loved me. Um and I'm grateful for it. And like since he's passed away, I heard um I got really into Paul Simon uh, in the pandemic. Like I I listened to a lot of Paul Simon growing up, but like really digging into like other good songs I hadn't heard yet. And I had never heard his song, Fathers and Daughters, until a couple weeks ago. And like I cried thinking about like, why didn't my dad ever send this song to me? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you really love me, why didn't you do at least some sappy stuff? You know what I mean? Here and there. Send me a song, you know. But then I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I've got it now. And this is the love I know that I deserve. This is the love I know that I have from all the men who care for me in my life. This is the love that I know that I have from God when I think of God as a father, which, you know, I love the goddess, but, you know, I think of the metaphysical sort of breadth of gender. And I also like appreciate the ways in which I can allow myself to be loved because I now release the need to be perfect in order to be loved. So I hope this helps you if you're in a grieving space or someday you might grieve. I want to really normalize that, you know, there's acute grief those first few weeks and then there's the lifetime of integrating a loss into your life and allowing it to be part of the richness and the tapestry of love in your life. Um, I am, you know, grateful for all the things that I've gotten to grow through grateful for the person I already am on the other side of this loss And I'm super grateful to have you here, uh, listening to me. Um, I hope that, uh, this is helpful. And I also like, I want to also just say props to everyone who reached out after the holiday morning episode, I really got in my head and my perfectionism, uh, that like it wasn't good enough and I could have organized it better, but like I had really just recorded it from my spirit, um, to you. And because that episode got so much good, Uh, feedback from y'all I decided to just do this one the same way just from my spirit to you so I hope it helps and I hope it it helps make a space for you to be okay with all the parts of you that need the grieving um, and all the things and all the relationships that also need to be grieved Um, and big shout out to my grief cat Biscuit Reynolds who I got right after my friend passed away because I wanted a grief cat Like, he knew immediately what I was going through, and he came and, like, laid right on my heart. Like, um, this cat is an A++, 10 out of 10, would recommend to a friend, grief cat. Um, And I hope that you get the grieving connection and pets on the head and told that you're pretty and get someone to get you some food that you need in your times of grief. I love you. Thanks for being here.